One thing that I'm always really passionate about is the other side of the marketplaces and the freelancers and the lives that are transformed by the freelancers sure. on our platform. And I think as we move on, there'd be less reliance on where you were born and what university you could afford to attend and more focus on perhaps your natural ability and, and your attitude as well. Welcome to the Work Podcast brought to you by Open Assembly. I'm John Windsor, and today I'm with Roland Rosevere. Roland works in the enterprise solutions team at freelancer.com. He works with individuals inside large enterprises who are passionate about transformational change. He works with leaders who are willing to look beyond traditional resource models and have the ability to create a more agile and productive future for their companies. Welcome to the show, Roland. Hey, John. Thanks for having us. It's a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for being here. I was really excited to have you on because one of the things that I talked to the team about, Sarah, a long time ago was this idea, and you brought it up in the last conversation, we'll dig into it when we start. But the idea that there's this difference between what's really happening in the bottom up that you guys see on on the number of people from different companies that are actually participating on the platform, and yet the number of organizations that actually have a corporate strategy about open talent. It's something I will dive into later, but I really, really appreciated it when you were on, this, on the last call that I heard you, the last talk you gave. But before we dive into all that stuff, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background. So I've been in the freelancer contingent worker space for about 15 years now. I fell into it by accident, really. I had an earlier career in financial services for a couple of years, but it wasn't really for me. But just shows how much the industry's changed that even 15 years ago, you know, for me looking to change jobs then, I actually pulled out a phone book, if people still remember what those are, and looked up a recruitment agency and, and rung through a few. Um, I accidentally called an IT recruitment agency doing contract recruitment, and, and they persuaded me to come in and interview for them. And the rest was, was history, really. So I worked for, for that firm for a few years. And back then, it was really all about the demand you know, your success was very much as an individual consultant about your ability to to go out and find jobs, lots of cold calling and outbound work. And it was pretty easy to, to place the contractors after that. And after a few years there, I, I really enjoyed it, but I had a bit of a bug to go and travel and didn't want to put my career on hold. So I spent a few years out in the Middle East doing contract recruitment and permanent recruitment out there. Out there was a whole different kettle of fish. It, it was all about the supply. You could ring up any company you wanted and come back with 15 jobs to work, but it was then trying to find the people. So really interesting, different dynamics. After a couple of years there, I thought I didn't, didn't fancy living out there forever and, and fancy starting my own business. So back with uh, an old boss of mine, David Sear, we, we co-founded our own freelancer recruitment business. And we never never quite hit the world domination that we wanted, but we managed to grow it pretty quick in, in about three years and, and got it up to about $7 million turnover after the third year. And at which point we're able to, to buy him out and then an investor and trade by a large international freelance recruitment business, then bought all the remaining shares back. And I went to go and work for them as regional managing director of a couple of their freelancer recruitment brands for a while. And, and that's when I was exposed to, to open talent, I guess, after then. That's awesome. So how did you end up at freelancer.com? Well, it was that, that transition to open talent, really. I ended up being disrupted myself whilst at the old business. There was a brand that I was looking at that I'd been tasked with taking over that had been losing their freelancers over the last year to this new offering that no one really knew much about. 
and uh, I was tasked with, with taking over that brand and, and trying to grow the freelancer numbers. But whatever we did, we just kept going backwards and we were kind of banging our head against the brick wall. And, and we knew that there was this other new player on the other side, which was a technology solution and open talents. And as much as we tried to beat them, they were just taking all of our market share because they're offering a, a much cheaper, more efficient, better service. So I then took the approach, if you can't beat them, join them. So went and worked for them, worked for them for a little while. And then uh, fast forward to the present day, I've moved over to, to freelance.com and, and their enterprise team and been there for the, for the last year or so, John. That's awesome. Well, that's a great team, Sarah and, and the rest of the folks over there have been doing a really, really amazing job. Really appreciate them. So let's dive in. Could you recount the story that you told her the other day in, in the speech that you gave on what's really happened in the bottom up versus the top down impression? The part that a substantial number of people from Fortune 1000 companies, actually, you have those email addresses because from the bottom up, people actually use gotcha. those versus the number of actual enterprise clients that have strategies. I think yeah. that was such an interesting statistic from you guys at Freelancer. What was the statistic you used? Well, there was one use case that I talked through, and it was more about the journey of adoption for enterprise customers. And we've got lots of different use cases that enterprise customers adopt. But a lot of the time, they come in with, with the kind of individual accidental users. And you might sometimes have an enterprise customer who has a maverick hiring manager who's perhaps used freelancer.com in the past before. So rather than going through procurement and setting up any enterprise-wide agreement, they just use the company credit card and, and they start hiring individual people. And then within an organization, that, that then builds and that momentum grows. And before you know it, you have lots of individual users all across the, the organization doing their own thing. And there was a, an organization that uh, a Fortune 500 tech business that approached us at the end of last year saying, you know, we really want to try the, this open talent concept for the first time. You know, we've never done anything like this as an organization. The first thing that came back to them was that, you know, you've got over 200 users in your, your organization already, but they're just all <laughs> independent people. And they can be paying on credit cards, you know, even hear of people claiming it back on expense receipts and just the power of the platform and, and how it grows in that way. But that's probably not the most productive way to really benefit from, from open talent and, and often a, a more of a coordinated approach than get some better results. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I mean, one of the things I always talk about being a serial entrepreneur is, you know, one of the ways that I always think about the world from an entrepreneurial perspective is spend the time to identify what wants to happen and then just help it happen. And obviously executives in, in your client that you talked about is like, just realize that it's happening, right? And like, if that's really happening inside the ranks of my own company, if they need that help, then let's, you know, launch into it and be able to support that, support that kind of new transition, a new movement. That's really great. So what's the most interesting thing you're working on or you're doing right now at freelancer.com? It's funny. And without sounding too cheesy, John, it's, it's strange because I've never been this engaged in a real kind of purpose-driven approach to work before. Now, even when I, I had my own business before, I was super motivated, but it was always feeling like do more tasks to get more money. And, and someone else had already figured out the blueprint of an existing industry and, and you were just following suit. But I think now with open talent, it's so interesting because there's such a movement going on, as you said, and especially Sarah and the enterprise team at Freelancer. It's a really great set of people having you know, a meaningful change on the world of work at the moment you know, and changing the lives of thousands of freelancers around the world and helping organizations design new business models. 
and there's there's so many interesting bits, but the bits that probably stand out the most are the opportunities that are having a really high impact and a high impact for the company doing them, a high impact for the freelancers involved with them and, and all the stakeholders from the individual champions we're working with um, to, to everybody involved. And they're the ones that get me excited, the high impact ones. I love that. I totally agree with you. It's, it's an amazing amalgamation of, of really high impact opportunities, right? And lots mm. for us to figure out as an industry still, but still lots of good stuff. Let's dig into the future of work. What are you seeing in the context of the latest disruption of COVID and the economic crisis because of that? So by the context of the latest disruption, specifically around COVID or more around the open talent and what disruptions that's having? Both. I think everything. Both. Yeah, I think in my mind, what's happened is the future of work's gotten pushed forward. And obviously, I think that the future of work is probably a misnomer. It's like, for me, you know, the future is here. It's just not evenly distributed, right? Some yeah. places are advancing and some places are getting held back. And so. Absolutely. And, and I think what you were saying around COVID and economic situation around the world, all that has done is sped up the inevitable significantly. I think in the, the context of the open talent space, you know, the, the whole concept of contractors or, or freelancers is nothing particularly new. But what is really new in this disruptive place of platforms is some of the changes that's had Mm -hmm. on the process Mm -hmm. and and how people engage with that. And I think the first big impact that's had is that complete change of the user experience for the hiring manager by using a platform. If we think back to previous days, if someone wanted to hire a freelancer, perhaps they need to get internal approval first then they might have to write up a job spec, send it out to recruitment agents. Maybe they go to an internal team, have to get budget sign off. Then they have to set up telephone interviews. Then maybe they invite people in. Then they have to get passes. You know, it was a really complex process. And that's fine if you want someone for six months or so, but it, it doesn't lend itself as well to that kind of short, flexible gig style of, of working. So with that change in user experience, now hiring managers can, can hire gig workers in literally a minute or two. And these can either be gig workers that they've got trust in with other people's reviews or their own private talent pools of gig workers that they've worked in before. They can manage that whole process end to end without interfering in their day job. And that now means that the type of work that can get done is dramatically different. You know, now it does make sense to engage someone for half a day's worth of work because you're only investing a couple of minutes into that process. Previously, it wasn't worth investing a day into that process to get half a day's back. So it's now really easy to engage people on on this task basis of of micro tasks and being able to to manage it easily and and really kind of enabling that that gig style of approach. Now, I reckon the other big disruptor in that area is then around the talent as well, as people have previously always looked at talent in terms of a, a radius to their office. You know, what right. COVID's done with, you know, sped up remote work is now, I mean, okay, well, they don't have to come to the office. Why don't we look elsewhere? And it's like, well, if we're looking farther afield, why don't we just look at the whole world? And suddenly platforms are able to, to you know, aggregate all this talent from around the world and organize it so that you can connect with the best talent anywhere. And when you're using a, a global platform, the, the cost comes down dramatically because of the globalization from it. But also the the, the cost in terms of, margins and and the time and effort of people's time to put into the process really 
Yeah, I love that perspective. I love the perspective of the effort it took to hire somebody and it wasn't really worth it for, for some smaller tasks. And now reducing that effort, reducing that friction on getting somebody into the job and into the tasks is so much faster. And hence, you're going to be willing to kind of get somebody for a half day or even for a couple hours to do the work. Well, that really makes me think, where do you see the open talent economy or the open talent industry fitting into the overall ecosystem of talent and business? I remember one of my old bosses used to say this quote all the time to me, and it really stuck in my head. I don't know who it is who originally said it, but it's the tyranny of the or versus the genius of the and. Essentially summarizing that it doesn't have to be one thing or the other. You can have lots of simultaneous ideas at the same time. And a lot of people think of open mm-hmm. talent, you know, is this here to take over everything? Well, no, it's not. You know, you've still got permanent right. staff, you've still got contractors, you've still got temps, you've still got consultancy, you've still got outsourcing. And neither one of these things is better than another one, but there's just a time and a place for the right job through the right channel. And one thing that's mm-hmm. happening at the moment with open talent as a new source of talent is hugely underutilized. So it needs to find its place in that whole total workforce management system. But by by using it in the right way, that's when you can have those dramatic cost savings opening up all the talent. And, you know, there's some things that you'd still want to go to McKinsey for, and you might not want to go to to an open talent platform. But there's some times where you don't need to spend $20,000 on a report that could be written for less than 1000 by someone of exactly the same caliber. Um, So it's just picking the right work channel at the right time and having that balanced approach. That's totally right. I mean, I I find it interesting in my own journey as well, right? Once you're into this marketplace, you look at everything that you do and say, wow, am I paying for the individual to do that work? Let's just say, you know, I'm getting ready to do my taxes and I've worked with my accountant for 20 years and I love him. He's the president of a hundred person firm with really nice offices. But when I get his bill, I'm like, ah, oh, am I paying for his work or am I paying to support his firm? And you know, you got somebody just as skilled, just as experienced on a platform that can do it for so much lower, not because the individual person's being paid less, but because it's not holding all that kind of bureaucratic cost, right? The holding cost of making sure that all hundred folks in my accounts company can work. I was so, say you may have a great sure. office, but do you want to pay for that? Are you the one using it? Do you really care about that that proportion of his costs that's passed on to you? You know, you just want to pay for his skill, isn't it? You don't want to have to take on all the fluff around the edge that, that's packaged up in the cost back to you. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I come from the advertising agency world and, you know, advertising agencies are kind of known to spend enormous amounts of money on their really amazing offices so they can impress their clients when they come in the door. And I think what's happened is that the scales tip now, right? You go into an office like that, you're saying, wow, that's super amazing. I wonder how much of my bill is, is connected to these structures or this kind of infrastructure to get the work done. So what is the future of open talent? Where do you see it fitting into the overall talent ecosystem? Well, I think the next big stage is around kind of normality and, and trust in the concept of a, of a blended workforce. At the moment, you know, lots of companies are taking this approach, but it's not normalized as, as the norm yet. I also think as that's normalized, we, we continue to see this globalization of talent as well, which is great. You know, one thing that I'm always really passionate about is the other side of the marketplaces and the freelancers and, and the lives that are transformed by the freelancers sure. on our platform. And I think as we move on, there, there'd be less reliance on where you were born and what university you could afford to attend 
and more focus on you know perhaps your natural ability and, and your attitude as well and and especially on our platform we don't stop anyone coming onto the platform but talent naturally rises through the platform to connect with the top enterprise opportunities so you know giving that that level of playing field across the world i also think in the future we're definitely not there yet but freelancers will start to become kind of career accelerators for the permanently employed so you have permanent workers who will build these little networks of trusted freelancers that are around them that do lots of aspects of their impact in in their permanent job and and they follow them from organization to organization and really the, accelerate the the results of that individual at the moment companies have private talent pools which are unique to them but i think people will you know really rely on that black book of of helpers to help them through their career no i love that idea that looking at your career is almost a micro entrepreneur right you're setting up yeah. a network of other folks to enable you to get the work done you need to get so let's jump over to the organizational side it's like what do organizations need to do to adopt these alternative talent models i guess a way of answering that question might be if if i look at some of the programs that worked really well what have they all had in in common to really adopt these well and they all start with the right internal champion and it's the right internal champion who's really wants to make a huge change is prepared to take some risks is passionate about getting things done within the organization but him on his or her on on their own that they, they then need you know some significant executive support to be able to make this a mandate and really drive it through and then once you've got those mm-hmm. two combinations it is then about the building of that cross functional team to drive change and especially with the types of program we're involved in they can often touch lots of different business units so it's having the right team together procurement at the beginning hr might may or may not have some involvement but then all the sort of the business and functional heads of each department and making sure that everyone's working on a really high impact idea something that's going to drive significant change within the organization and you need to start with an agile pilot so you're not suddenly jumping in and committing 20% of your global workforce to to be through open talent so you can start small but you have to have that high impact vision that you're all going for because otherwise you can spend a lot of time and effort to make a couple of freelance hires a month and yes on an individual freelancer you could get some you know some of our customers it's been like 90% cost savings versus the other channels they did that work but but if that's in small scale it's not really going to have the massive impact it's not really going to get that executive support to drive change throughout the the organization the real big models ha- have big ideas that everyone's driving and and invested in i love that so who is that person? Is there a prototype in the work that you guys are doing? Is there one kind of person? Do they sit in HR? Do they sit in procurement? Or are they an executive in a business unit? Or who would that person be, do you see? You know what? We, we've done some analysis on this <coughs> internally, and it's really hard to pick them. Because if you're going on job titles, it can be the most unlikely people as that initial champion. Hmm. It really is. There is no rhyme or reason. A lot of the time, they're from the business though they can be from procurement initially as well but they need to wield some some significant influence within their organization and have that slight maverick element that they can just get stuff done 
and they often see you know this as a big step in their career where they see if they get this right this is going to have a massive impact for them and, and their career as well yeah that's cool so what's on your development roadmap you guys are always really pushing the envelope on on new things and looking at the world in a unique way from freelancer.com perspective you guys have some stuff that you can reveal here on the show that you can let us into the mind of what's happening down there in Sydney I mean, we've got loads of interesting stuff on our roadmap for this year. I can't share all of that now for our secret source before it's released. But I know, you know, if we look for back sure. over the last year, some of the, the interesting stuff that, that we've done, we, we invested a lot last year to make the platform much easier to use for the large enterprise user, especially focusing on, you know, how an individual hiring managers are able to hire and manage freelancers. And how you know the enterprise is able to to pay freelancers as well, and that's just made it much more user friendly for for the enterprise user. We did a lot of work last year as well. You know, you probably heard from Open Talent that the work that we did with Deloitte around you know my gigs and and the in-source concept of building a talent marketplace for internal use before organizations went externally to freelancers being able to to post internal gigs internally. But I think some of the ones that get me really excited at the moment are the the custom projects that we do with customers. And they can be anything from just customizing the journeys for their hirers within that organization with, with small changes. Or working on again some of those big high impact ideas, you know, building certified communities that organizations can connect directly with their customers and the type of thing that, that's going to have a big impact, really. Yeah, no, you see that, right? Over at Aero Plus and what they're doing. And it's a great partnership for you guys and also for them. It's been really inspiring to watch that all come together. And how about for you personally? What's interesting coming up? The things that interest me most are our customers really. People that I'm already established relationships with, people that I really enjoy working with, but also some of the, the big opportunities on the horizon with people, just real forward-thinking executives who are able to just brainstorm amazing ideas of how freelancing can, can change their business model and, and create high impact. And that's what, what I get out of bed for, working with those individuals and that whole purpose-driven thing of, of what we're doing for the industry. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, your participation in CTW and OA has been huge and really appreciate the time and effort you put into helping the whole industry grow for sure. Hey, if you had a crystal ball, what would the world look like in five years or 10 years? I mean, how do you envision things like throwing us 10 years ahead? Uh, I'd love a crystal ball. Life would be a lot easier, wouldn't it? But unfortunately, yeah, it it's just guesswork. But in terms of that in relation to the, the world of work, you know, it's interesting. My son's nine at the moment. And, you know, you, you think for 10 years and he'll be thinking and teeing himself up for the world of work. And you just wonder what it's going to be like because things changing so quickly with the onset of AI and, and automation. And I even look at a lot of the skills that they're teaching youngsters now, you know, still very focused around memory recalls, spelling, arithmetic. But I think these are going to be less important. And it's all going to be around tech, problem solving. And emotional intelligence. And I think they are, are the attributes that will shape the world of work and create the new jobs to support tech and, and technology in, in that world. I think freelancing will, will have a much bigger role to play as, as time goes on. I think that will be driven by a couple of things. 
I think the pace of change will need organizations. They want that that more flexible, agile approach to get the right talent in on the day rather than the constraints of, of too many fixed costs. But I also think, you know, as as the world develops and there's this massive shortage of tech skills, you know, there's a lot now put on the the talent of they want to choose how they want to work. And for a lot of the world's best talent, they don't want a permanent job. You know, the idea of freelancing is really attractive to them. So I think as that skills gap widens, you get more people saying, no, I want to work on my terms. And I like the idea of, of freelancing. Yeah, that's totally true. I and mean, I think certainly here in the US, right, there's a lot of issues socially that we've got to overcome insurance and the ability to create that safety net for folks so they can get out and break out and do their thing. But I totally agree with you. And I, I'm totally passionate about, well, the idea of the passion economy, right? I love that idea that, you know, if we can provide the right tech tools, the right platforms and the right support, then people should have the ability to go out and pursue their passions and make a living at what they really want to do instead of getting stuck in a job so that they can do their passion after work or on weekends and those kinds of things. So, Excellent. all right. Any interesting stories about an organization that's figured this out that's living in the future? Someone that, that's figured it out recently. One of the moments I really liked happened a few weeks ago. Actually, when I was speaking to an organization in, in the business process outsourcing industry, and they were saying that their industry is under so much change at the moment. Again, you know, AI is having a massive impact, but also they can see crowdsourcing and how it's evolving and you know, it could really dismantle their business. So they've got two options. They either sit there and, and, and wait to be disrupted or they just roll with it and become the disruptor and, and really embrace it. So they said, rather than just waiting there, you know, they wanted to partner with a large crowdsourcing platform and be able to, to go forward with a joint proposition to customers about you know, how you could rapidly scale up huge teams of people at very short notice. And it was great. You know, the first pilot we did, they needed, I think they needed 150 hires, but in the end, we managed to find them 200 to be able to, to speed up the, the delivery of, of how it happened. We were able to, to source and, and get that up and running within a couple of weeks. And it was just a, a really forward-thinking customer. And we were able to deliver something that you just couldn't have delivered as a staffing agency. And the amount of work that would have gone into hiring and testing and onboarding those 200 hires from their side and our side of the platform would have been huge. But the technology worked and it made those connections quickly. And we, you know, you could just carry on scaling that up and up and up. Um, so that that was really interesting. I love that. Well, Roland, thanks a lot for being on the show today. Really appreciate it. Love the insights and you know, love your idea. I think the big takeaway for me is just you know, let's focus on the high impact things that we can do for organizations and workers and, and even the platforms to create this industry together. But thanks for being on the show. Excellent. It's a pleasure, John. Really appreciate it. Thank you.